0: Welcome to Animal Keepers Tales, a podcast by McNeil and Company. The mission of this podcast is to offer an efficient and accessible education series for anyone who supports animal rescue, health, or adoption. We hope you find this helpful and that you come back to us every month for our newest episodes. Good afternoon or good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another Animal Keepers Tales. This is Kayla Lyon here with Jess Ford. She is back and with us to talk about shelter property maintenance. Jess, how are you doing
1: today? I'm great, Kayla. Thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. This is a really great topic and I think, you know, we were trying to kind of time it with what time of year this may be most pertinent, but I think this is pertinent all year round. Shelters have people coming in and out all the time, a lot of visitors And it's really imperative that we are maintaining the buildings because that can be a huge loss for a lot of our shelters. So what are some
1: processes or important items for shelters to implement? So Kayla, you're correct. It's actually an all-year-round thing. It's not just on a a weekly basis or just once in a blue moon. We really want to take a look at your property as a whole. Uh, Depending on the situation or how large your building is, you really want to have either a risk management person, uh, personnel, uh, committee, or just just a maintenance person, in all honesty, taking a look. But in all retrospect, everyone should be taking a look at the property as a whole while they're out there walking the animals or just uh, going out to their car really quick. Things along those lines, you can really see Pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. So taking a full 360 of your property is is really important. uh, If you're noticing... A lot of um, your sidewalks being lifted up, a lot of your potential adopters or uh, your vendors are coming in and out of the building. You want to make sure that that's being maintained and you want to be able to. And if you're noticing that, you want to get a licensed contractor and to make sure that those are getting elevated properly. So this way, it'll also help alleviate those risks in the future for trip slip and fall hazards. You also wanna look at your windows, making sure that there's no cracks or anything along those lines. More often than not, we get storms in, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but there's that potential of a tree branch hitting the windows. If you do have abundance of trees in the area, and you just want to make sure that you're taking note of that because rain can come in and can cause more property damage. Uh, making sure that the grounds are being kept. If you have a bunch of different shelters around your property, we know we get a lot of wildlife as well. And we want to keep them on a separate part of the property so they can have no human contact. We'll make sure that the shelters are being maintained, making sure that uh, they're being kept up and not uh say i don't want to say in ruins but just in poor conditions so this way the wildlife is still keep being able to keep shelter while they're going through that rehabilitation process as well as any external animals that you're going to have out there we do see pigs and chickens and sometimes you get some more exotic animals depending on where they're coming from so making sure that those outside properties are and those outside buildings are being taken care of That's a
0: really great point, and it's funny because I You know, I often tell people that I'm kind of one of those people who's like oblivious. I'm a very good renter because (laughs) I'm never really going to find fault. But you bring up a good point of when you're walking, you know, to and from work in and out of your car, it's good just to be like paying attention to where you're walking, what the sidewalks look like, what the outside of the building looks like. You may not know how to fix a problem, but you can normally tell if there is one. Jess, one of the things that we had talked about before we even came on here to record this were safety walkthroughs. And I don't know a ton about that myself. Can you tell
1: us a little bit more about what should be involved in a safety walkthrough? So essentially what you can do and you can have, like I told you, those those couple of people on a committee or keep a pen and, and notebook on you when you're doing these walks. Make sure that or have a designated checklist of the areas that you're looking at. Uh, Make sure that you're jotting things down that you're noticing that could possibly become a risk or things that you see that just they need work right away. You want to get those in to either the supervisor or the person that's going to be taking care of or in charge of taking care of. What needs to be fixed on the property. It's so important to make sure that these are done in a timely manner. Otherwise, you have more potential of having those hazards become a greater risk and With greater risk, unfortunately becomes a greater payout in the long run. So we really want to make sure that we're taking that walkthrough and You can set a designated time to do that. You can do it on a weekly basis, a monthly basis. I wouldn't go any more than 60 days, to be honest with you. Just so this way you're keeping a a better check of the property itself. Again, I understand that staffing can be short and you want to take a look at at the property as a whole, especially if it's a larger property, you wanna probably do that a little bit more frequently because with weather-related incidents, there could be a potential that you might not actually see out there and you wanna just keep that on a scheduled basis.
0: And it's also not even just for your visitors and for yourself, but also for the animals that you have at the shelter, right? You know, you don't want them running out in the back and getting hurt by something that's fallen
1: down or broken right well we look at it not just on the outside but we also need to look at the shelter on the inside as well so when you're doing your your risk assessment or your checks on those those bases you wanna take a look at any of the rain mats that you have out there, make sure that they're not flipped up and that actually is done by all of your staff. That's not just done by a committee. You wanna make sure that you're taking periodic checks, especially if you have a really rainy day and that mat unfortunately gets drenched. So what happens that water becomes excess and then now you have this huge wet floor probably all over your tile. And now you have the potential of having a, a, a fall slip, trip fall hazard happen, not only with the, the tile floor, but also with the mat, because they tend to get flipped up constantly. Mm-hmm. So having someone maybe at your reception desk or uh, someone that's in the surrounding areas or just walking by, just check the mats just to make sure. Uh, I know that's a huge one that we, could, that we see as a liability, but also when you're getting all of your inventory in, uh, all of your food, things along those lines, supplies. You wanna make sure that they're being kept clear of any means of egress in your organization. Just make sure that uh, if there are pallets and things along those lines, they're getting cleared on a timely manner. So this way they're not causing blockages, especially if should an emergency happen. It causes a blockage to get out to an emergency exit. Also making sure that your emergency exits are also kept unblocked at all times. Um, So this way, people can get out as soon as possible. We do see that happen from time to time. We do make the recommendation that they make sure that that's clear. We do understand that scheduling can be uh, an issue and that also having staffing to get that cleared out can also be time-consuming, but we want to make sure that it's being done at least within uh, the first couple of days so this way it doesn't cause an issue. It's very
0: easy to get comfortable in our spaces and to think, well, that'll never happen. We'll never need to use those emergency doors or never have before. And of course, we know that that's usually when tragedy strikes. Absolutely. So it's very important that we're keeping that in mind and not getting too comfortable. Jess, you've mentioned some, you know, staff potentially being kind of in charge of this, or maybe having a rotating schedule. Maybe it's a board member or a board committee that assists with this. But who is truly responsible for grounds maintenance? And maybe, you know, should a shelter? I know funds are never just excessive, and there's never really more than we need. But should a should um, a landscaper be hired or considered when making budget
1: decisions? Well, it depends on the size of the shelter, to be honest with you. Uh, And, you know, a lot lot of our larger community societies and things along those lines have that in their budget, so this way they can maintain the property. However, some of your small ones might not be able to financially maintain that uh, percent of interest, but at least having someone come in on a weekly basis, checking the grounds, doing the lawn care. It could be um, just a local contractor that you utilize, landscaper, that probably won't have a a huge expense for you. Someone that would work within your reason of being able to afford that out. But having someone professional would be preferable because they'll be able to maintain the property as needed and also be able to spot potential hazards, especially if there's a tree that could possibly have blight and things along those lines. Those are all things that that need to be taken consideration while you're maintaining your property. So I would always recommend it. I know budgets can be tight, but at least trying to maintain a small budget for at least lawn care and maintenance groundwork would be preferable. Great. Thank you.
0: So what about the kennels? You know, we we talked about outdoor and that's kind of our focus, but you did mention, you know, making sure that the inside of your shelter is safe as well, but also making sure your animals are safe. So what about the kennels, whether they're indoor or outdoor, both, are there
1: special considerations for those items and who should be responsible for those? Well, um, again, it's going to come back on the. the shelter is going to be responsible, um, whether it be the executive director that is going to be the one that's signing that check to make sure that that's going on. Usually, you know, it would be a CFO. um, Or it could be just your shelter manager is the one that's in charge of all of this and they're the ones that have to sign off on being able to make sure that maintenance is being worked. Um, But you wanna look at the kennel and you wanna, depending on the type of kennel it is, there's going to be more maintenance or less maintenance with shelters that have guillotine doors, they want to make sure that they're being able to slide properly. So this way it causes less human contact. Um, Making sure that that's being maintained, there's no cracks, it's not snagging at all, things along those lines you need to take in consideration. The fencing that is being utilized for the kennel, if that's starting to become bent or rusting out, you want to make sure that that's being noted and taken care of because obviously we don't want to put a dog in that type of situation. Or um, if you notice that the hinges are coming off from one of the the kennels for Mm -hmm. the the cats, we want to make sure that everything's being documented. The more you're documenting, the more that you're keeping track of everything, the better off you're going to be and making sure that that documentation is getting to the right person. So this way, and, and essentially you could actually follow up with that person to make sure that it was taken care of. I know shelter life is busy. I know that things get caught up on a daily basis. However, those things need to be taken care of in a timely manner. It could potentially hurt not only one of the animals, but it could hurt a staff member as well. We don't wanna see that happen. Also in retrospect, a potential adopter that's coming to visit, they might be in that kennel area, could possibly hurt themselves as well. And we don't wanna see that happen. And that could become a huge liability. Um, Also, floor work, if you're seeing, the floors are starting to crumble, deteriorate over time. I know a lot of older places, uh, a lot of older shelters that could happen. So making sure that you're getting in contact with the licensed um, general contractor, to make sure that the integrity of the floor is still being maintained, doing kind of patchwork, things along those lines. So this way that can uh, reduce uh, hazards, not only for your employees that are gonna be in there cleaning the kennels, but also for the animals that have to walk those floors too.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Our biggest thing here that we do
0: is we kind of look at, we assess, of course, all of those risks and we walk through those places and we see kind of what might be a potential risk, what, you know, they might want to look into, but of course we can't catch everything and not everything is able to be fixed in a timely fashion. So Jess, what are the commonly missed or commonly claimed issues at shelters?
1: So one of the things I'd like to address is the weather related incidents A lot of the storms, we don't always take a look at the weather don't always take a look at the severity of what's coming in, whether it be rain, wind, snow. Snow is one of our biggest ones. We see a lot of damage happen in the roof, actually, because of ice dams. And when that happens, it ruins not only the roof itself, but the integrity of the building, because then that ice dam starts melting. And what it happens is that it starts leaking through the roof and then coming down to the walls. We don't know if that's hitting a joist beam or if it's uh, a, stud, a studded structure. In all reality, it could cause more damage than anything else. We've seen Claims, unfortunately, that's only maybe $6,000, but we've also seen claims up to like Uh $35,000 due to the fact of the amount of damage just from that. Um, And I've seen it on multiple occasions that that's something to consider. Wind is another one. It. Ruin shingles, makes them fly off, especially if the roof is older. Uh, we always want to make sure that we're taking a look at that. If you're noticing that are, you're missing shingles, you want to make sure that that's being documented. Um, you also want to take a look periodically if you have solar panels as well. If anything's broken on it, uh, I know that we're becoming in more of a green age. So solar panels are becoming a very hot commodity. I've seen them in. uh quite a few shelters already, and even though you turn off all the electric from a broken solar panel, it's still energized. So we want to take that into consideration too when we're looking at that. Don't ever want to approach it. You want to make sure that you're getting uh, an electrician and uh, proper contractors in to make sure that you're getting that fixed properly. So this way it doesn't cause a fire. Other common things, honestly, roots from trees, debris, ice is another one. I know we've talked about snow quite a bit, but uh, really I see a lot of of claims due to ice buildup on sidewalks. We go out first thing in the morning, we shovel the sidewalk, we put down salt, and then we kind of forget about it. Unfortunately, because of the cold weather, ice then starts building up again throughout the day. So checking that periodically and making sure that salt's being put down it is really important. And it just can't happen like first thing in the morning. It has to be every couple hours just to make sure that you're <laughs> maintaining that sidewalk. Uh, we've seen quite a few... Claims, unfortunately, due to falls, and some of them have been um, really bad considering the fact that they've, they've broken their ankle or they've really had to have uh, surgical work done, and that comes back on the liability of the organization. We don't ever want to see someone have to go through, not only go through that, but have to pay out due to the fact that that could have been uh, mitigated.
0: Absolutely. And there's something to be said about even, you know, you're saying sidewalks, but also plowing the driveways and the parking lots, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: know that's tricky because a lot of our shelters, at least I know in this area, a lot of them are gravel. They're not even paved necessarily. So that can be really tricky, but I'm sure it's a cause for concern.
1: Well, not only is that tricky, but also you're going to see a lot of potholes and that can cause yes. a lot of um, more trouble not only for the vehicles that are coming in and out of your parking lot but also the people that are walking through your parking lot right. um, depending on the severity of the the potholes I would recommend getting them filled on a yearly basis I know gravel can be purchased quite affluently by a a query. You can call someone, get some pricing quotes. I don't think it's as expensive as, say, paving your entire parking lot. (laughs) Right. Um, But making sure that you're getting the proper like patching. If you do have a paved parking lot, if you're seeing a lot of cracks or deterioration of the the parking lot, making sure that they're getting patched on a timely manner um, just to help alleviate some of the costs that you probably would see down the road if you let it go.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. Another thing that I'm curious about, Jess, and I don't know if this is anything, this isn't necessarily maintenance, it's more potentially just your thoughts on this. But I think of, you know, when I go to, when I've gone to shelters, some of them have like landscaping or florals or trees or, are there any thoughts on how those might affect shelter animals? Could that be a loss for a
1: shelter? I would hope that the the shelter itself would recognize what plants are being poisonous or a potential risk hazard um, towards an animal themselves. Right. Um, knowing your botany is definitely a uh, essential item for having that type of. Uh, plants. Normally we see a lot of trees and bushes and things along those lines, but if you're going to have anything kind of floral, just make sure that you're doing your research before you have them installed. Most likely a landscaper would know what would be potentially good, um, just having that conversation and talking to them a little bit more about it to, and then making a final decision afterwards a little bit of research would help determine whether it would be poisonous for an animal especially dogs because you're going to they're going to be out walking around the property with your staff members so that would be the biggest uh, biggest thing to look out for
0: the only other thought i had but you already touched on this i think it's good to reiterate this idea of the doors in the shelters. I can think of like making sure that obviously any areas that animals are in probably should have doors leading to them, right? Where the kennels are. And also, of course, like you said, making sure the hinges and the locks or however you're using your kennels are taken care of because I can see how that could be easily neglected, but also a huge loss if an animal gets out and potentially hurts someone who's in the shelter or hurts another animal.
1: Well, in my experience, in, in my visits, I've noticed that a lot of kennel areas will have two means of egress. Yeah. You'll have the one that you're coming in and then there'll be a side door. Uh, most often than not, the side door is being used for the staff members to do a lot of the walking they come yeah. in and out of. Yeah. So this way that um, the potential adopters, if they do go back into that area, not necessarily meaning they will, don't come in contact with the ones that are being walked. Right. Um, so this way they can still have that uh, smooth process of knowing they're being exercised and the whole nine yards. But making sure that uh, if you have the bar release to open up the doors, making sure that they're being maintained, they're getting locked up. You want to make sure that you're getting that properly maintenance and checking those hinges and also checking your doorknobs, things along those lines. We have a tendency to lean on them. Yeah. um, Especially if we've got our hands full. So those can bend at times, so we want to make sure that uh, if you're noticing things that are getting, like, they're starting to stick, we want to make sure that they're being documented and submitted to, to get worked on. Most often than not, usually shelters are a pretty ma- well-maintained machine, but those are all potentials that could possibly happen within your shelter. And, of course, we can't always find everything that's there. No, of course But not. Uh, making sure that you're keeping those checks, doing those walkthroughs, I would say, I would I would always recommend 30 days. However, if you have to do 60, that's completely understandable. Again, depending on the amount of staff that you have, it really will, will vary. But every 30 days, taking a walkthrough, making documentation, and then this way, you start getting into a routine of everything. Okay, you have less and less to fix once you, when you yes. do that first initial walkthrough. Every time you go through, you're like, okay, well, now we're good. we're at a point where we're good. And if you do notice something, it's not going to be maybe this huge expense. Yeah, that's a really great point.
0: Absolutely, Jess. And I think there's also something to be said about if you have an insurance company, let them come do a survey on your property, right? I mean, we definitely do them um, with our with our program. We can have someone come out to you. We can come out to you and we can walk through it with you. And it's always helpful to have a fresh set of eyes.
1: And on that note, it's not always us having to contact you. If you as an insured would like to contact us and have a walkthrough done, we are more than happy to do that for you. That's great.
0: Thanks, Jess.
1: Anything else for the good of the order this episode, Jess? I think we've covered a lot in this little segment here. And uh, I know that if there's any questions, um, more than feel free to contact our department and uh, let us know your thoughts. Or if you have any future ideas for things that you want to hear, we'd be more than happy to uh, know that as well. You got it. Absolutely.
0: Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Animal Keeper's Tales. And we will see you again next time. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. All right, everyone. That concludes this episode of Animal Keeper's Tales. Please be sure to subscribe, write in with topics or questions, and review us. McNeil and company would like to thank you for being here. And we look forward to chatting with you and your animal friends very soon.